The momentum toward the cross is building. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Well, my friends, we are moving on today in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to be studying verses 47 through 53 today. Um, This passage finds us still on the night of Passover. Uh, Jesus and his disciples had just celebrated the Passover celebration together. In that meal, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, saying, This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And then they pick up and leave and head to the Mount of Olives where Jesus is um, praying um, for himself and for his disciples, asking his disciples to join him in prayer that they might not fall into temptation uh, to fall away uh, when things get tough. And Jesus cries out to the Father, expressing um, his desire to be delivered from this hour, but more than being delivered, that God would align his will with um, God's ultimate will and purpose and plan. And of course, uh, that's uh, Jesus' desire as well. Now, today we're moving on uh, in the story, and the events of 47 through 53 really uh, help build the momentum toward the cross. Uh, In this passage, we see that Jesus is arrested, and uh, we'll be studying all of the uh, events uh, surrounding Luke's account of this moment uh, on the journey toward the cross. But before we get into the word, my friends, let's go to the Father. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word and its instruction. Uh, we thank you, Lord God, um, that you've seen us through to this point in the week. It's Thursday. We're looking ahead to the weekend and um, we're ready for some rest and uh, just looking forward to some time to uh, to just uh, rest and enjoy our families and uh, loved ones. And uh, we look forward to Sunday, Lord, when we uh, bow together and worship to you. Uh, Father, as we study your word today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us into it. Um, and that you would um, deepen our insight and understanding of your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is Luke twenty-two forty-seven through 53. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and all the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Ah, These are somber words because we know um, that this is one more leg of the journey toward the cross for Jesus. And as they are on the Mount of Olives, uh, Judas had um, left and went as he had previously planned to bring the religious leaders to where Jesus was. Um, You remember earlier, uh, 
Judas had plotted with them to um, look for an opening uh, to bring them to Jesus where they could arrest him and a crowd would not be present uh, stirring things up. And so that's what was going on here. So Judas arrives leading all of these religious leaders behind him. And in order that they would know exactly who Jesus was in the crowd, uh, Judas came over to Jesus and um, gave him a kiss on the cheek. And Jesus confronts him in that moment and says, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? So there's a couple things going on here. Uh, Jesus is first confronting him about his betrayal. Uh, You'll remember when the disciples were at the Passover table with Jesus, he mentioned that his betrayer was the one whose hand was on the table with him. And uh, interestingly, all 12 of them would have had their hands on the table with Jesus that night. And that left all 12 of them to consider in their own hearts whether it might be them who would ultimately be the one to betray Jesus. But deep within his own heart, because of what he had already plotted, Judas knew it was him. And on this night, he proved it was him by uh, leading this group of religious leaders to Jesus and putting a kiss on Jesus's cheek. Um, I wonder what was going on in Judas's heart in that moment as Jesus confronted him. I wonder if um, in his mind and in his heart, he was kind of going back through the Rolodex of memories that he had as a member of Jesus' tribe of disciples. I wonder if he was remembering back to some times of Jesus healing or remembering back to some times of Jesus teaching or some times of Jesus uh, releasing people from impure spirits or just some times on the road or in the boat as they were traveling from place to place. Times when they were just being a group of guys. Um, And I wonder what was going on inside of his mind and heart. I wonder if he had even a moment's reflection uh, on whether or not he regretted the decision he was making that night in the heat of the moment. He had contracted with them to do so, and they paid him to lead them to Jesus, and he fulfilled his promise there. Uh, we know beyond what we're seeing here, these things, this particular thing had to happen in fulfillment of Scripture. Uh, Jesus had to be betrayed and One of the disciples ultimately was the betrayer, and that disciple was Judas. Um, As those who were with Jesus saw what was happening, um, a bit of a conflict breaks out, and they ask, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Now we know from other gospel accounts that the one who did that was Peter. Peter is regarded as... Um, passionate, impulsive, defensive of Jesus. Um, He's not going to let someone in his tribe be mistreated without doing something about it. And um, Peter was uh, maybe not as thoughtful about his response as some of the others. Um, And that is consistent with his character. But Jesus responded to what Peter did and said, no more of this. And he bent down, scooped up the man's ear off the ground, we can imagine, placed it on his head, and healed him. Or perhaps the ear stayed on the ground, Luke doesn't quite tell us, and Jesus simply touched his head and performed the miracle of 
putting a new ear on this man's head. Uh, Luke is unclear about the details. Regardless, imagine being Jesus' disciples, and they've seen Jesus heal in miraculous ways many times before. But then imagine being the religious leaders of the law who are standing there about to accuse Jesus of all of these religious crimes and ultimately about to seek his crucifixion um, to get rid of him, watching this man of God do this powerful miracle of healing in their presence. I wonder what was going on in their hearts and in their minds as they were watching Jesus heal the ear of the man uh, who had been struck by Peter's sword. And I wonder if for a moment they paused to question what they were doing and whether it was the right call. I wonder about the man whose ear was healed and how he felt toward Jesus in that moment and how his attitude and how his thinking about Jesus may have changed in that moment. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you must come and, and um, uh, arrest me with swords and clubs? It says, every day I was with you in the temple courts teaching and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Um, again, he's pointing to the reality that he understands uh, the bigger picture. And the bigger picture was that these things had to happen because his mission was uh, the cross and it always was the cross. And while Jesus wrestled in the passage before on the Mount of Olives in verse 42, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was wrestling with the reality of what his mission meant. And he was both fully human and fully divine. And the human Jesus was wrestling with um, what this all meant. But ultimately, um, he understood the will of God and he was aligned to the will of God. Um, and um, so we see that happening in, in the passage before. And then in this particular passage, we see uh, that uh, Judas is fulfilling his role as betrayer. And the religious leaders of the law are fulfilling their role as the ones who would accuse Jesus of these religious crimes and ultimately seek his crucifixion. All of this in faithfulness to prophecy. (laughs) And so they're um, functioning as tools of God in this moment because they are fulfilling actions that must take place in order for the prophecies to be fulfilled and for Jesus ultimately to be led to the cross. Um, Jesus says something interesting to them, though. He says, this is your hour, the hour when darkness reigns. And I wonder, my friends, if you ever have the impression of life here as though we're living in an era when darkness is reigning on the earth, when darkness is winning and gaining ground. Um, It's tiresome at the soul level. Um, We believe these truths of God. We embrace them. They've changed us and transformed us. We connect to them because we know they keep us connected to our Heavenly Father. They know they keep, we know they keep us connected to our source. Uh, The source of our life um, is Jesus. And so we, we believe in these words and we trust in these words. And yet we are simultaneously members of an earthly kingdom uh, where the people around us do not believe these things and do not trust these things and do not have faith in these things. And it seems as though the darkness of the world is creeping up on the truth and, and gaining ground uh, in the world in which we live. 
And I wonder, where are the places where you see darkness reigning in the world? Where are the places where you see darkness reigning in your own heart? Where are the places you see darkness reigning in your workplace? Where are the places you see darkness reigning in your marriage? Darkness reigning in your local church? And what are we doing to take a stand for truth when we see uh, darkness reigning? When we see darkness winning ground? When we see uh, darkness shrouding people from truth? What are we doing as the people of God who know the truth to stand for truth in the face of darkness? I'm challenged by that thought and I'm challenged by these words today. And I want to thank you so very much for taking time out of your day to study with us. And I pray that as you continue to consider these words, the Lord would speak mightily into your heart with clarity and insight uh, afresh and anew. All right, my friends, thanks so much for uh, studying today and we'll pick it up again tomorrow.